0: Yeah, so I'll just start. um. Westport Library and the Quick Center for the Arts is proud to present an official Apple podcast, Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast, with me, Migs Burroughs.
1: And I'm Trace Burroughs. And today uh, we're excited to have on our show a very talented um, movie director, I'd say producer as well, uh, Kyla Simone Bruce, uh, who's won many awards for her films shorts and features and she's also the daughter of legendary musician Jack Bruce from the cream and many other bands get into but your middle name Simone what does that where does that come from
2: um my dad's middle name was Simon mm-hmm. uh, so my sister got my mum's middle name and I got my dad's middle name and mm-hmm. we made it a girl's name well they made it a girl's name. <laughs>
1: right and your 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 mother uh is she creative as well like you and your sister and aruba and maybe i don't know, we'll ask about your other siblings later but yeah um
2: she is um not by profession um she her her first job was actually um printing music books um back in the day before computers and stuff she had her own little business printing notation basically, um, and was a graphic designer. Um, and then she basically just taught herself the music business um, once she was with my dad uh, for various reasons, cause she just thought um, lots of things were unfair at that point when uh, when they met, he wasn't um, getting the recognition for a lot of the stuff that he'd written um, and she just didn't understand why. So she's just kind. Of, so she's really a, a businesswoman, and uh, yeah, she she, uh, she's awesome. But she plays the piano a little bit now, um, and she is she is creative in her own way. She did write um, some lyrics for my dad's last album, Silver Rails. Um, the song's called Candlelight, and she wrote it like as a poem, and then my dad loved it so much that he he put it to music. Um, so yeah she is she is creative but but never uh it wasn't her job
0: not in the spotlight could you we, we interviewed your sister is your full sister Aruba I mean, yeah. That, yeah yeah could you for the benefit of the audience and us give us a brief little family tree construction so we know <laughs> who's, who's who, and who's family
2: okay so um me and my sister Aruba Red um and our sibling Corinne have um, the same mum and dad she's a um, an amazing artist she's a singer songwriter um, and, and does a lot of amazing work with with birth work and all sorts of things she's she's very busy um, and then my sibling Corinne is a philosopher um, and a bit of an anarchist <laughs> um, and then my half-brother Malcolm who is my dad's son from my dad's previous uh, marriage he's a he's an amazing musician as well um an amazing guitarist he can play all instruments and yeah he's incredible and we had um a brother who passed away when he was uh, 28 I think hmm. who was also Malcolm's full brother Joey he was also an incredible musician who we unfortunately lost yeah a while back
1: the the, the uh, silver rails uh, was that was the name of your documentary about your dad's last album, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And, and we, so that came from your mother's poem. Is that where you got that?
2: That was the name of the album, Silver Rails. That was my dad's last album. Yeah. Uh, that he recorded at Abbey Road, um, and we, it just seemed like it's something that needed to be documented.
1: Really. When you were, when you were shooting it or about to shoot it, were you, did you f- know like your dad had some limited time left and you wanted to capture that or, or
2: yeah it was it was interesting because he was really like a cat with nine lives like there were so many times you know even before I was born he nearly died like he told us these stories when he got electrocuted on stage once because <laughs> uh, it was like a music festival and it was raining and all the amps exploded or something and he nearly drowned and um you know we we Kind of said bye to him once before when he was really sick he had like a tracheostomy in his throat and everything um, yeah. from having an operation and, and a lot of complications and he did the cream reunion like I can't remember if it was like um less than a year I'm not sure exactly of the timeline but um yeah they, the doctors basically said he would never speak again and then he Sang at the Cream reunion, which was incredible. If you've if you've heard it, so um, the point is that I don't think we, uh, even though he wasn't well, we kind of always thought, you know, there's that chance that he might uh, just bounce back because he was so hardcore. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, if you listen to a lot of the lyrics of those songs carefully, there are. I think he kind of felt it was possibly his last record um, which is well I think he you know he didn't say it in so many words but I think we all kind of um, knew that there there might be a chance that that might be the last full um, album anyway um, I think he did do maybe a couple of things after that I can't remember but um, but yeah it was in Abbey Road which is obviously just an amazing backdrop for filming so it was really special to just go in there um, and just kind of film the process um and yeah it felt like a real family thing that all all of the we were all there um and me and my sister sang some backing vocals on one song um malcolm was involved a lot and corin played he um they played drums um on a few songs so uh, Mm. it was it felt like a real kind of family thing
0: you also filmed the sunshine, the documentary on, on the last, on the tribute concert, right? The year after your dad's passing?
2: Yeah, out. so that, that was, a nut, I mean, that was really tricky because we started planning that so soon after he passed and my sister was incredible. My mom was incredible that they were just like, this is something we need to do and it takes this long to plan it. So they were just like on it. Whereas I was kind of just in bits about the whole thing. I sort of cared for my dad a lot at the end and stuff. So it took me... I don't know. I was just like I, I, don't, I couldn't get my head around any of that stuff really. Yeah. So early on, but they were incredible. How um how well they organised it. It was at the Roundhouse, which is this beautiful venue in Camden in London. Um, it's a big a big circle right. suggests. Um, and yeah, it was it was an incredible evening. There were all sorts of people um there and. My sister sang two songs. I sang a song, um, and I also, yeah, oversaw the the filming of the whole event um, with a company called Beatcast. Uh, Matt Francis was amazing with that because he um, was really supportive. In in he, he's an expert in filming live events. Um, so it was really collaborative um, with the technical side. And if you're sort of performing as well and trying to get all that stuff organized and going on, then uh, he he was really in charge of a lot of the filming, but he he really let me have my input in um, how it was all gonna you know, be covered. And in the edit as well, we worked really closely to put it together, but that was the first time I'd ever um, directed like at the filming of a live event. Um, and it's quite a big deal. Cause we were also, I was in charge of like the projects with the projections on the back screen. And we had like video messages from people and all sorts of technical stuff going on. So um, yeah, there was a, a lot to learn <laughs> with that event but it was it was really special. Uh,
1: so like, why this is, I'm, I hate to get, get down but I do have one question. Uh, so i read a ginger baker at that concert uh sunshine of your love he walked off stage so what did he get pissed off okay. about that <laughs> this time um, this time yeah yeah
2: it was it was complicated because um what nitin sawney was the musical director mm-hmm. and he's an amazing um he's an amazing guy like the amount of stuff he he's like a film composer and also does a lot of his own um you know directs live shows but also does his own music and he's just such a talented um, amazing professional so he was you know in charge of the actual um direction of the show with you know we we had a lot to do with it um my sister and every, everybody sort of you know we we were a part of that but we did kind of respect uh what he you know that's what he does and so we kind of let him do that um and i think it was uh it was quite difficult um because Ginger didn't really want to rehearse or anything, which is fine, um, but I think there was a bit of uh, trying to figure out how to work with him when he didn't want to kind of have any input in how it was going to go. He just sort of wanted to turn up and play, which was fine. Obviously that's totally um, his prerogative, it's his songs. And he was the only person there, you know, from Cream. So. Uh, even though it wasn't all Cream songs that we were celebrating, uh, that obviously the songs he played on were and um, and we had some support with some other drummers and it was quite a big live band and and obviously it was he also wasn't feeling that well at that point so we kind of had back up um, and he did he had has played with other drummers before and and he said he was all right with that um, and Frankie Tonto, who was in my dad's band, was playing drums uh and he he was yeah playing with him, and at some point Ginger just decided that that's not uh how it should go <laughs> so he he played one song beautifully, I think it was we're going wrong. he played I believe with with my sister red um, which was magical. And then when we did Sunshine, it was sort of like the big one where everyone comes on stage and everybody's playing and we had like the backup drums and stuff, and he just wasn't having it. So <laughs> he walked off. Um, and even though a lot of people were upset, some of the reviews were like, you know, it should it should be about him and, and it and it was, but also um it kind of felt quite fitting as well, just because yeah, yeah. I have quite a lot of memories of that actually happening. <laughs> Even with my dad on stage, like when I was a kid and stuff, so it all it all felt quite uh, meant to be and, and part of part of the show. Really, and we
0: interviewed his his daughter Nettie, and and obviously he was a difficult person in, in many
1: ways. But, um... So so your your um last feature film that you worked on is that documented?
2: Undocumented.
1: Undocumented. Sorry.
2: Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, so I um, I went to the London Film School and I met an Iranian director, I mean, we were all students at the time, so we weren't really directors yet, um, called Amin Bakashi, and and um, it was back when like illegal immigration wasn't really uh, such a big topic, at least in Europe. Like, I guess in America, like the borders with Mexico is, is maybe, um, more of a political issue earlier. Right. I'm not sure, but in Europe, it there were there was just so much that I didn't really know about, and he told he told me these stories, and um, we just felt really passionate about making a film about it. Um, and it took some years to make. It's a drama um, and it's fiction, but we did a lot of research. So I mean, it was some of his own personal experience, but with me. I did a lot of research. Um, I kind of sat in an immigration courtroom for three months just watching what was happening because for me it was all just such a learning experience and I didn't really wanna make a film that was kind of criticizing a system that I didn't understand. So I, t- I took a long time to, to fully understand the situation. Um, and over the time that it took for us to make it, actually it became such a, political uh dividing topic um and it actually by the time it came out in cinemas it came out um the day of brexit happening so i don't know if you know all about yeah
1: yeah we got we heard there's a lot of news about that, when that <laughs> yeah. Going on. yeah
2: it's really a ridiculous situation and uh but yeah the uk decided to leave europe uh, and it's was going on for years and it was like this debate and it ended up symbolizing a lot about immigration um, for various reasons. But it, so it it came out and got a bit of traction because um, yeah, it was, all, that's what everyone was talking about at that yeah. point.
0: I, I only saw the, the trailer, but uh, it, it's very, it looks very documentary style. It's very intimate and it almost feels like- yeah, intense and voyeuristic in a way. I mean, it's so. Were those the people who lived the story, or did you hire actors to? Live
2: yeah, there? so we we had a mix um, of actors and non-actors, um, but just in terms of you know heritage, the the actors that we were casting, a lot of them had stories. If it wasn't about them, it was their parents or you know some kind of experience. Um, to immigration, at least on some level, if not illegal immigration, which is what the film uh, focuses on. Um, but a main shot in Iran, um, in in the mountains, and he, uh, his his main actress, she, what had never acted before, and he uh, got an incredible performance out of her. So yeah, it was a real mix, but. It was really just finding people that we uh, felt understood what we were trying to do because it was very grassroots and and low budget at the time. Um, We finished it with a Kickstarter campaign, for example, Um, and because we were so green like grads fresh out of film school, we didn't really understand about distribution and funding and that you're supposed to get the distributor on board before you shoot and like all these kind of things so it was a real it was like a second film school really to learn how to make a film but um I'm I think it was kind of a blessing because we didn't have any restrictions at all on what we wrote or shot and it was very much we just kind of wanted to hold up a mirror to what was going on at that time we didn't want to like make it too political and like you said it was that's why it was such a documentary style because it just suited what we were trying to do um and yeah we were just really lucky well not lucky it was a lot of it was a lot of hard work yeah. but uh, when it came out uh, we managed to get a, a distributor eventually on board and now uh, and we actually had a cinema release unfortunately it was in march just as COVID shut everything here so we only did three screens which was a bit of a kick in the teeth after all the years that it took to make the film. But we're glad that we at least got that little uh, cinema release. And now it's on a lot of online platforms and HBO. Europe have just bought it Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's on Amazon, so anyone can access it there. Um, And and we got really good reviews, which was very validating because it kind of felt like we made it outside of the industry and we didn't really know what we were doing and uh, so to kind of get those good reviews from from rep- reputable sources was like okay it was worth it, it was, it was all worth it. So. Did you have
1: any issues trying to film in other countries? Did you have to go to Iran to shoot? Yeah,
2: so basically, I really wanted to go uh, to shoot the section in Iran, but it ended up being too complicated because even though I was a producer as well on the film, um, it's just tricky still to go out there for various reasons. And And I decided in the end, I'd actually be more of a hindrance than a help because I couldn't really produce there because I wouldn't know what I was doing. I didn't speak the language. Um and actually the schedule in the end kind of clashed. So I was shooting in London while Amin was shooting in Iran. And there's there's basically four sections of the film, and he wrote and directed two, and I wrote and directed two. So it was very separate in that sense. And then we put it all together. So is that although I would love to have gone there, it was um it just wasn't possible at the time. But the the really difficult thing is that Amin me and Amin haven't watched the film together since it was finished so that we didn't even when he finished shooting that last section we haven't actually been in the same room because he can't get a visa to come to the UK so you know we've had a lot of I don't know just screenings and Q&A's and awards and you know things like that and he hasn't been able to attend any of them unfortunately because it all got much stricter you know there was a list of like seven countries that you can't really travel from Mm. and, and Iran is Is on that, so that's quite sad that we haven't um, managed to watch it together. Um, But again, it's it's kind of telling of what the film was actually kind of about. Like he he came to study, went to prestigious film school. You know, spent a lot on tuition fees, and now can't get a visa to come and and visit, right? Yeah, watch his film in cinema.
0: Reality, reality intruded. Yeah, ugly head.
1: Do you also do you've done shorts and you do commercials music videos too. Music do you have an agent to get you like work or do you just right. they come to you?
2: Yeah, I don't at the moment. Um it's just kind of word of mouth and I seem to be busy enough to not um really need one. Yet yeah, or I haven't found the right um cuz I'm I'm like a really loyal person sometimes to my detriment and it's like the relationships that I start when they're good like yeah. I see lifetime relationships like my editor for example my director of photography I can't imagine working with anybody else so I haven't quite met that agent yet that I want to spend <laughs> the rest of my life with um but yeah there seems to be a lot of opportunities coming up so so you, that's
0: fine you've done several videos with this group called para fiction right so yeah so what's your connection with them are they did they find you or um, you friends with them in the band or
2: yeah that that was actually uh, my partner Marek Shearer he's a music producer and a mix engineer he's doing a lot of uh, big songs out here um, pop songs and uh, it was a band that he was working with and we basically have a studio in our flat in London so they were just coming through all the time and they just had this really young cool energy that I really liked and actually it was uh sort of I don't know if lockdown had started yet but the thing is with films it's like there's such a long development process to actually make anything and I was uh, a camera operator first like I made video art and stuff but I was actually filming gigs that was my first job was filming gigs they used to put me in the mosh pit at the front because they were like oh no one will hurt a girl like, <laughs> excuse me um, so I, I just kind of missed that immediacy of making stuff um, because yeah, everything's so slow with feature films. So I just decided to uh, get a camera and start shooting my own music videos. So those, those music videos, I guess that you've seen on my website, are, I pretty much shot all of them, I think, and edited them myself. So that was kind of just like a fun uh, side project to, to make something basically
0: you did your sister one for your sister too as well right the uh the uh, uh forever summer you did it for her
2: that one um was actually directed by ben cohen her now husband um but i edited it but i have shot a lot of music videos for her in the past like um you know when she was starting out and i was starting out um it just made sense and I think I, I learned a lot uh, kind of practicing on her Yeah. vice versa as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did, how did you detour, I shouldn't say maybe it wasn't a detour but you know the expectation would be you would be, a mu- you are musical apparently, you sing and whatnot but what what was your interest in filmmaking, what drew you into that?
2: Um, I mean my dad was really into films, like I was really lucky with that because he He was just so intelligent, like he knew, he just knew so much. Like he read so much, he watched so much, he was an amazing cook, like he was just so talented in so many ways. But he knew a lot about film. Um, So he introduced me to a lot of, um, I guess, left field films that most people wouldn't watch. He would buy DVDs and things that I didn't, would probably not have come across otherwise. and even even like on a, I don't know, on a Sunday afternoon, not anymore, back in the day when there was like four channels in the UK, four TV yeah. channels, there'd always be like a black and white film on on like 3 p.m. on a Sunday or whatever, and he'd just walk past and be like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. And it was directed like by blah, blah, blah. And that's all the actors. And I was just like, how do you retain so much information? Um, so he was definitely an influence, but I I went to art school in Glasgow, actually where my dad was from as well um, and I mean I was just always really creative like painting and making weird little sculptures and stuff when I was five already mm-hmm. um, so it was that was like the uh, just the most comfortable place that I would be would be to go to art school and And my dad was really proud when I got into the Glasgow School of Art because it's quite a, it's a difficult one to get into in the UK, and obviously it was where he was from, so he was really happy about that. And it was nice to kind of go back to the roots and see what it was like, and um, find out what you know what Glasgow is. And my partner I met then as well, who is also Glaswegian, so <laughs> that's continuing. Um, but yeah, I basically made video art. Uh, I was, I was, I think I was like making print work and stuff and then one of my tutors said your research photographs as like the best part of your work mm. um, and I, and then when I picked up a film camera it all kind of fell into place which was in the last year at art school and I basically um, made installations about derelict spaces in the city um, so I just kind of broke into um, Boarded up buildings and filmed inside, um, and made installations about that. And and then I did a short film course on the in the last summer before I graduated, and that was just like I just got the bug, and I was like, this is this is it, this is what mm. I'm doing. Um, they gave us like 16 millimeter film cameras, and mm. it was it was awesome. So then after that I tried to get into the industry for a while which was really really tough um you know I was running and working for free and doing all. I tried because I could edit I taught myself editing I could camera operate I was kind of trying everything um but didn't really get I really struggled to kind of get um get in there so that's when I decided to do my my filmmaking masters at the London Film School and that was that was really a game changer because my graduation film did quite well. And that gave me the confidence to uh, be like, okay, this is what I want to do.
0: The te- techies out there, do you, you, what, what program, Final Cut Pro, Premiere, what do you prefer, what's your?
2: Um, I'm on Premiere now, uh, just cause I learned on Final Cut and Final Cut isn't Final Cut anymore. Or the last time I tried it, I'm like, what happened? And actually Premiere is closer to I feel like what Final Cut used to be like and because I never really had any training it was all just whatever's Mm, the most intuitive it's like this is what I want to do how do I do it Um, but with my fiction films I work with my editor Reza Jose, and he works with Avid he loves Avid yeah so
1: is that what you use for special effects do you, you have a
2: program
1: for that guess all the kaleidoscope that's, effects
2: yeah well no that was after effects i taught myself after effects that was like my little side project a couple of uh yeah. years ago well. i was just like i want to figure out how to do chase,
0: it. Is, chase has done what are the extensions for for i did after i did
1: templates and those are business so i was selling special effects for after effects i made like thirty three hundred templates and i sold them to video you know broadcast designers because it saved them a lot of time. You know, if it was a particle effect or whatever, I make 100 variations for $100, you know, and they could pick one and they could like alter it a little bit for themselves, but it saved them a lot of time.
2: Yeah, I've probably used those templates for (laughs) stuff that you make the particle (laughs) template and stuff. I mean, I think I because I always wanted to learn after effects but it just looked so hard. Like I was always really into the idea of animation. And I can remember when I was at art school, I wanted to learn how to do that, but there wasn't really the resources at that school to do any of that stuff other than like literal, you know, draw a picture and take a, uh, you know, take a photo of each frame or whatever. Um, and then when I started on Premiere and I learned that it's like linked to After Effects, so you can just kind of- right, have my the templates connected. worked in yeah. Premiere too. Yeah. yeah. Even though I my like my whole workflow was a mess the first time. I was it was like going back and forth so many times. But somehow it can handle it. Like the the technology now is crazy, you know. And you like if you don't know how to do something, you can watch a YouTube video of like a fourteen year old that knows a twelve year old, you know what I mean? That knows <laughs> right, yeah. so much more. So it's like if they can do it, I can do it.
0: <laughs> Would you we have a few minutes left but I'd love to know well first of all your website is uh, kylasimonebruce.com right? K-Y-L-A Simone with an E at the end simonebruce.com and so what's your dream project like five years from now Yeah what that's what I'm you... on this too oh, yeah. Okay so don't worry I yeah. do? yeah, uh, Um,
2: <laughs> I mean TV is doing great stuff. I always saw myself as a filmmaker more than a Uh, you know than TV but that's just because of what the TV was kind of like Uh, and now you know obviously the US started that with the sort of big budget stuff on TV Um, but there's just some really cool things being made and it that is you know the there's more of an audience on TV even though like that's for me going to the cinema is like my favourite thing to do there's always magic in in that um but i'm writing a I'm writing a tv series at the moment so yeah the dream would be to to make that one i think and, mm-hmm. and get it to a, a wider audience but just keep making just keep making work really like each
1: mm-hmm. each
2: film is just to be able to kind of make the next one like undocument is uh, very realist it's very serious it's very um kind of slow and and uh, reflective but that's what that subject needed. Um, and my next film that I'm hopefully making, The Cockatoo in is it's essentially a comedy. Um, it's like a road movie with two two girls uh, in their early twenties, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. Even though there's like a, a deeper, uh, you know, there's a lot of deeper stuff going on. She's she uh, gives her baby away for adoption, and it's her kind of dealing with that. Um, but I feel like my, the at least the tone has like developed a bit with the stuff that I kind of want to make. Like, um, I don't want to take things too seriously because especially with feature films, it's, it's a long project. So it's like, um, I feel, even though I think there's always going to be a bit, not political, but a humanist, I would say like slant to my work. That's, I think what, connects me emotionally and why i want to make that kind of work um but yeah the next film i think will be more fun <laughs> more fun to watch and make so i'm excited about that one
0: speaking of fun i just wanted to add one very silly question so in one, the pair, one of the uh, pair of fiction uh diabolical twins music video they they're, they're they're walking or dancing around in this giant pair of pants. Whose idea was that?
2: Where those pants <laughs> that come was, from? That, that was their idea and I just loved it. I mean, this, with them, what I really did because they were so young, I was just like, whatever their ideas are, I'm just gonna kind of make it happen. And we just had a really <laughs> fun time because they, they had a real vision for what their, you know, what their music was and, and the visuals that they wanted. So I just wanted to support that. Um, and it was just fun being involved in like such a young young project, and also them being so excited about how it looked. It was it's like this immediate gratitude that was that mm. you don't really get. Um, and sometimes as a creative, you kind of need a little bit of like, yay, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just really fun because they were you know so young and cool, and it was punk, and I love punk music, and it was so it was very fun like collaborating with them, definitely.
0: Trace, any final parting uh, thoughts? No. Okay. Well. Um,
2: so that one last thing I want to say, that yeah, film, in, um, I made a short film called Mercury, um, oh, yeah. which I think is going to be uh, online to watch for free. It's on Shorts TV at the moment, uh, but I think it's going to be online soon. I guess I'll put it on my website when it comes out, but that's the short that i um The writers, Gorana Jovanovic is a Serbian writer. We collaborated on that and we're making the feature together, Um, but it's based on that short. So if anybody's interested, then they can find that. It's called Mercury. A
1: short TV. Is that a streaming? Uh, It
2: is. I'm not 100% sure if it's in America or if it's just a European thing. So um, but what I'll I'll once I think it's going to be more available than that, like once it's had its sort of um, run with them, then I can just put it online, I think. So that should be happening soon. And I'll, I'll um, have a link on my website if anyone's interested to watch it.
1: Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's fascinating to learn about you and, and uh, I do, I could, we could keep on talking about there's a lot of things, things I mean it seems like your sister and you both have this empathy for things that are happening to people you know the social conscience yeah. social conscience is that something your parents are into as well
2: that was a big influence from my dad yeah he was um, He his parents were like communists in a time that was basically illegal um, and he yeah was very like staunch at least socialist, I think it was quite conflicting for him when he became successful and, you know, mm. uh, could drive fancy cars and stuff. I think he always really struggled with that, even though he enjoyed it, it was definitely an inner struggle. Um, and he always just taught us, uh, you know, about what was going on in the world and, you know, how to just empathise, I think, with what other people are going through um, and, and help other people when you can. And I think that definitely, I mean, for me, a, a film, it feels like it needs to be worth making and somehow will have a positive impact on the world. Um, might sound a bit naive to think like a, a film can change the world, but it, it at least then feels like it's something worth-
1: Everything, the little, the little everything counts. I mean, it's- Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Well,
0: that's a very helpful, and, and I, no, we, we both agree. We're, um, we try to do that in our own work. But thank, thank you so much.
1: Yes, that, thanks again.
2: Nice Bye. one. It was lovely to meet you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. Sure. Pleasure. And Happy New Year when it comes.
1: Oh, no, you you. <laughs>